Happy Easter! And behold, this day, lilies so white, and dresses so pretty, and bonnets so, like, really, really big, and eggs so colorful, and bunnies so adorable. Let's hear it. Oh, sure, sure. And chocolate so delicious. Now I want to stop right there. Don't be jipping me off with hollow bunny ears. I like this. Amen. I like this. I want to hear the pop of that solid chocolate in my mouth. But anyway, brunch is so scrumptious. And peeps, okay, they're just plain nasty. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to show you the proper way to eat a peep. Here it is. There it is. Okay. Woo. I, those, the, those spongy confection marshmallow things, man, forget it, okay? That's just, that's my opinion, all right? Don't stone me, okay? But, but anyway, Easter is filled with all kinds of color, and it overflows with expressions of spring, none of which have anything to do with the true story of Easter. And, and once again, the marketing of this world misses the majesty and miracle of our God. And I want to invite you this morning to turn back the pages of history, some 2,000 years, as we remind ourselves what today is really all about and why it is so very important and very, very special. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And as always, we have Bibles available for you. So if at any time you come into our church, we, we dig into the Word of God. That's who we are. And it's a textbook for life. And if you don't come in with one, shame on you. No. We, we, you can look off your neighbor, and we have them on tables in the back. Feel free to grab one when you come in. Matthew 20, uh, chapter 28, we're going to just go through this, this passage, about 10 verses, just a little bit at a time. And we're going to let God teach us some wonderful truths about Easter. Starting off in verse 1 of Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. What is Easter? Say it with me. Easter, first and foremost, is this. Easter is a display of courage. Broken-hearted women of courage. Now, we're going to take a little bit of time, and we're going to talk about these incredible women. These women are very, very special and very, very incredible. While the disciples are hiding in fear, these women are facing their fears. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the Bible puts women down. I want you to understand, they don't know their Bibles. God exalts women. He highlights just how special they are. Case in point, these two women. And and I want you to understand something. For these women, Jesus is dead. And he's not coming back. Their dreams, their hope has been smashed and obliterated on the cross. These are broken-hearted women who've been crying their eyes out for three days, dealing with the shock and horrific picture of Jesus in their minds. I mean, his body is lacerated and bloodied and hanging on a cross. And these women are confused. Why was he crucified and how could they do this to him? And not only that, why would God allow this of his servant? Why? And so their world has been turned inside out. And these women's world has been turned upside down. And now you see this incredible courage It began to dawn toward the first day of the week, and they come to look at the grave. Why is that courageous? What's the big deal here? Let me tell you why. Courage comes out of hiding. That's number one. 
Courage comes out of hiding. You've got the big bad disciples. Where are they? They are in hiding. They're, they're ashamed. They're afraid. They don't want to be known as Jesus' followers. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to come out of hiding. You're ashamed if anybody knows you're a Christian at work. You're full of fear if your neighbor finds out. Or, or, or the classmates at school or your teammates. Some of you need to stop being ashamed of God and come out as a believer in Jesus Christ. No matter how hard this world becomes for Christians, come out for the Lord Jesus Christ. He rose for you. He died for you. The women, they muster up the courage. They head to the grave. No big strong disciples there to, to go with them. No big strong men to be with them. Listen carefully, ladies. Sometimes, ladies, you need to take the spiritual lead on your own because you're surrounded by men or you're surrounded by a man who is weak and selfish and sinful. Surrounded by men who won't and don't. These women say, that's not going to be us. We are going to follow the Lord. Listen up, ladies. Go to church, whether he comes with you or not. Listen up. You prioritize the Lord, whether he mocks you or not. You decide to serve the Lord with the spiritual gifts he's given you, whether your man doesn't have time for God or not. Your first responsibility is to be a woman of God. And so you be a woman of God for Jesus Christ. And that's what these women are. Courage comes out of hiding. What else do we see about them? Courage visits a graveyard in the dark. Okay, that's a little spooky. When's the last time you went to a graveyard in the dark? I mean, John 20, verse 1 tells us it was early to the tomb while it was still dark. There's no street lights. You know how your mind kind of wanders. What, what was that I heard? What, what, I think I just saw something. You know, God doesn't want us to live in fear. Stop living in fear. We, we're told, 2 Timothy 1, 7, God's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Start walking with the power of God and the love of God and be disciplined in your life. That's what God wants out of your life. No more fear. They visit the grave in the dark. Courage, what else do we see? Courage faces intimidating people. Well, who's so intimidating at a, at a grave in the middle of the morning or at night? You know what? There's, two, there's guards there, and there's multiple guards there. Matthew 28, 4, at least two, says the guards. Now, Roman soldiers were not known to be compassionate. They were not known for their good manners. Just remember the Lord Jesus, whom they spit upon, whom they hit with their fists, mocked him with a robe, crammed thorns on his head, beat him over the head with a reed, lacerated his body with gaping, open, bleeding wounds with a whip, and drove nails through his hands and his feet. And these women are going to confront intimidating soldiers. Will you stop being intimidated by the people of this world? And will you face whoever God wants you to face? Stop being intimidated. Courage, faces intimidate. Courage, what else do we see? Asks and trusts in faith. Someone's got to remove this stone for them. They're not going to be able to do it. Mark 16, 3 says they're saying to one another, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So obviously they're going to have to ask the soldiers or going to have to ask passerby. So courage asks questions. Courage, not only that, publicly associates with a convicted, executed criminal. Do not forget that's who Jesus was. He was a convicted, executed criminal criminal. He's an enemy of the state of Rome. He's a heretic and a blasphemer labeled by the religious leaders. Some of us here this morning care way too much what other people think. 
You need to stop caring what people think and start caring what God thinks. Jesus is the one that died for you, not this world. Jesus is the one that grants eternal life to you, not this world. Jesus is the one with open arms to you, not this world. This world is no friend of Christians. As a matter of fact, this world hates Christians and will continue to hate Christians. John 15, the Lord tells us, if the world hates you, know it hated me before it hated you. And later on, he tells you, I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. Stop kissing up to the world. Stop thinking the world is going to embrace you. You are a child of God, and if they crucified their Savior, you fare no better in this world. Stop fearing this world and start standing up for God. Courage. Courage also touches a foul-smelling, decomposing, shredded corpse. That's what they think they're going to touch. But they're willing to. Jesus didn't die a gentle death. They were coming there to care for this decomposing body. Mark 16, 1 tells us they brought spices to anoint him. Luke chapter 24 tells us that that they brought spices which they had prepared and they came to the tomb. So it didn't matter how disgusting the job was. They were going to do it for the glory of God. Courage. Courage overcomes deep personal confusion. And some of you this morning are in deep personal confusion. Take courage and let these ladies encourage you. I mean, talk about depressed I mean, again, their world has been rocked. And when you're depressed and when I'm depressed and when they're depressed, you don't want to do anything. And when you're depressed and discouraged, you don't want to go anywhere. You know what you want to do? You want to sit at home in your PJs and eat peeps. That's what you want to do. <laughs> but, but they're courageous. And, and they're going to the tomb. See, courage presses forward for God, even in your confusion. Press forward for God, even in your confusion. Courage, what else do we see? Courage overcomes disappointment in God, and boy, are they disappointed in God. Stop and think about this. This was not how their week was supposed to be for these ladies. This was not how their life was supposed to go. God had let them down, and some of you feel that this morning. You feel like God has let you down. And you don't understand why you have to struggle this way. And you don't understand why do you have to face this physical issue. And why are your finances falling apart? And why is your marriage falling apart? And why can't you keep your kids in control? And God, I'm trying everything and I'm praying and my world is falling apart. And life seems so unfair. Life seems unfair to these women. And they're still going forward in courage. You know what? You know what they teach us? They teach us that it's time to stop saying, why is life so unfair? They teach us that it's time to stop sucking the thumb of self-pity, no matter how good it might taste at times, and start saying, what is the right thing to do no matter how I feel? And what does God want me to do? And how can I get the focus off of me, God, and my self-pity and get it back on you and back on others? You know what they're teaching us? That it's time to care, even in the midst of confusion. It's time to serve, even in the midst of pain and hurt. It's time to stop blaming God, and it's time to start living for God. Stop blaming God and start living for God. You may say, well, how can they do this? Where's this courage coming from, and why are they living this way? Listen carefully. Their lives have been radically changed by Jesus. That's the inspiration for their courage. 
Just consider one woman, Mary Magdalene. Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, okay, her life was messed up. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom, how many demons? Seven demons had gone out. I, I don't, I've never been demon-possessed, but I'm thinking one's bad enough, people. Okay, she's got seven of them. Uh, and a demon-possessed woman with all that came with that, all of the sin and debauchery and sexual immorality, the demons of addictions and all the shame and all the guilt, and God changed her and God saved her and God forgave her. And that's the message for many of you this morning. I want you to hear this. No matter your demons of addiction, God can free you. Would you let him free you today? No matter the shame of your past and all of its sin and sexual immorality and debauchery and drunkenness and everything else that went in it with it, God can forgive you. He already knows all of your sin. He knows all the skeletons that rattle in your closet and he still loves you. And he's willing to peer into that closet and say, yeah, I know about that and I still love you. Yeah, I know where you went that day and I still love you. Yeah, I know what you did that day and I still love you. I want you to understand he'll save you. He'll forgive you. Life is not beyond transformation. Let him change you. Why the courage? You know what? She loved Jesus. She was changed by Jesus. Do you understand she was the woman in Luke 7, 38 that was standing behind him at Jesus' feet, weeping, and she wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair on her head, kissing his feet, anointing them with perfume. She had lovingly anointed his living body, and there was no problem in her mind lovingly anointing his dead body. We learn an important lesson, and it's this. Let your deep love for God ignite a deep courage for God, even when at times you don't understand God. Say that with me. Let your deep love for God ignite a deep courage for God, even when at times you don't understand God. What is Easter? Easter is a display of courage. What is Easter? Say it with me. Easter is a demonstration of power, supernatural earthquakes and angels. Look at verse 2 through 4, Matthew 28. Behold, a severe earthquake. This isn't a little rumbling that you sleep through at night. It had occurred, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolls away the stone and sits on it. That's hysterical. I'm sorry. His appearance is like lightning, his clothing white as snow. The guards shook for fear because of him and became like dead men. So you have an earthquake happening. It's not the first earthquake. There's already been one. At the moment Jesus died, Matthew 27, the veil of the temple is torn in two and the earth shook and rocks split and tombs were opened and the bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And now we have this severe earthquake, again, rocking their world, buildings. You're talking buildings damaged and walls falling and structures moving. You know what it is? It's God's announcement, my son lives. That's what it is. I love how John Phillips put it. The ground quaked with pain when its creator died and shook with pleasure when he rose again. So you have the earth quaking and then you have this supernatural being from heaven descending, an angel. And, and he, just this radiant being, rapid descent. And I, I don't think he floated down some, like some little balloon losing air. 
Okay, Ezekiel 1.14 says the living beings run to and fro like bolts of lightning. Okay, so he's zipping through pretty fast. And, and this, is the, this blew me away as I was studying this past week. Out of all the angels, how'd this guy get this job? <sighs> Think about it. Me? Yeah, you. What do I get to do? Yeah, you. You get to go open the tomb of God, the second person of the Trinity in human form, where his body lay, because it ain't there anymore. I get to peel back the rock? Yes. Okay, shoom, and there he goes. And by the way, it wasn't to let Jesus out. He's already gone. It's to let us look in. That's what this is about. And and he moves that big stone, and it would have been a big stone. Some of these stones are eight feet in diameter, a foot thick, and and even a group of men it would take to move these things. Three to 4,000 pound rock is what you're talking. It would be five of these pianos stacked on top of each other. Just try moving one by yourself, let alone five. Now, unless you're an angel or a pastor, which is the same. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. We ain't moving that thing, guys. But this is what's great. I love the pose he strikes up. He's not hovering above this rock. He's not standing on the rock. He's just sitting on the rock. Like, what's up, Roman guard dudes? (laughs) I just just love this. And he's dressed in his Easter best. I mean, not only does he move like lightning, he looks like lightning. He's radiating in brilliance and shining in bright white. Think of sun. Just shining and glimmering and glistening off of snow. I mean, it's blinding and it's dark. Think about it. And these guys, I mean, it makes an impression to the Roman soldiers. They're shaking with fear. The root word is literally earthquake. So they're having their own little personal earthquakes, okay? And then they just freeze like dead men. So you got an earthquake. Yeah, that's scary. In the dark, yeah. Angel glistening coming out of the sky, single-handedly moving this huge rock, sitting on it like nothing and staring at you. It's enough to make you need to change your pants, okay? Let's just put it that way. I think their uniforms would have had to be dry cleaned. But anyway, what is Easter? It's a display of courage. It's a demonstration of power. What is Easter? Say it with me. Easter is the promise of life because he lives you will live. That's Easter. Look at verse 5 and 6 of Matthew 28. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. He, He says, you have nothing to fear. What? If I'm the women, I'm thinking, I got everything to fear, buddy. There's been two earthquakes in three days. I mean, we got Roman guards who just tortured the Lord, and I'm a follower of the Lord, and we got religious authorities who condemn Jesus to death, and I'm a follower of Jesus, and and I'm talking to an angelic being right now, and I'm scared, and I've got death itself. Everywhere I see is death. Everywhere I smell is death. I'm in a graveyard. It's death. Listen up, Christian. This whole world is scared to death of death. What about the terrorists, and what about disease, and what about financial collapse? Everybody's scared to death of something. Who's going to be the next president? That's scary. Everybody's scared to death and fearing death. And you know what Jesus teaches us in this passage? You have nothing to fear. I'm alive, and I love you, and you certainly don't have to fear death. Psalm 23, 4, say it with me. 
even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what? They comfort me. You are with me. He is with us. There's no reason to fear death. No reason to fear anything in this life. Now, Jesus gave a promise and Jesus keeps his promise. Jesus doesn't give empty promises. Jesus gives us an empty tomb. Look at verse 6. He's not here. He is risen just as he, what? Said. So Jesus taught us about this, okay? His resurrection. He, he gave us words on this. Before we get to those words, I want you to understand, but, but Scott, what does the resurrection mean for me? What does the resurrection mean for you? So big deal. It's Easter. We, we come to church with mom because she grabs us by the ear and makes us come. What is the specialness of this day? Why? Why is it different than any other day? And some of you have not a clue. Let me tell you why. Because he lives, I will live and also be raised. There is no life after death if Jesus was not raised from death. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even if he what? If he dies. If Jesus didn't rise, neither will you, and neither will I. John 14, 19, because I live, you will live also. 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that, that Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. So he goes leading the way. For since by a man came death, by a man came the resurrection of the dead. Followers of Christ follow Christ, even in resurrection. Because he lives, we are truly forgiven. There's no forgiveness if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ had not been raised, your faith is what? Why are you in church today if Christ is not alive? What, are you just playing some religious game to feel, to feel good about yourself? If, if we don't have a Savior, there's no sense in being church today. There's no sense in singing songs and looking in Scripture. Let, let's go out and do something else, like run. I really like running. Running's a lot of fun. But why be in church your faith is worthless, you're, and this is even worse yet, you're still in your sins. You were never forgiven if Jesus was not raised. You need to understand something. Resurrection is the receipt of payment paid for your sins. Payment was paid at the cross. Resurrection is the receipt. God receives the payment of his son for your sins. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Because he lives, prayers are heard and answered. Romans eight thirty four. Jesus Christ, he who, who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. My prayers go somewhere because of Jesus Christ being alive. Because he lives, heaven, heaven awaits. John 14, my father's house, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I'd have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'm coming again to receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Heaven is guaranteed. Because of the resurrection. First Peter 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? To obtain an inheritance. That's heaven. Which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Where is it? Reserved in heaven for you. If there is no resurrection, there's no inheritance in heaven for you. Again, no empty promise. Jesus told them this. 
Matthew 16, I'll be raised up on the third day. Matthew 17, be raised on the third day. Matthew 20, I'll be raised up. Matthew 26, after I have been raised. Over and over again. No empty promise, just an empty tomb. But you may still have questions. You may be here today and you may say, well, I like coming to church at Easter, you know, or Christmas, and that's fine. But, but I don't understand this Bible stuff. And I don't understand Easter still. And what is this resurrection? And wh- how does this tie into all the other world religions, Scott? And why is Christianity any different? And do I really need to be forgiven of my sins? And is there really a God? We have a class called Starting Point. When you can come and ask any question. Next week, 1030 right behind this platform in the green room. Pastor Mickey will be there. No question's a dumb question. If you want to investigate the faith, if you want to learn about the Bible, if you want to ask questions about God, come next week. And don't let anything stop you. The questions and the answers to those questions are too important to let them go unchecked. Sign up for that class. Write, write your name on the response card in, in your bulletin and your number and, and, and let us invite you to that and come next week at the 1030 hour. What is Easter? It's a display of courage. It's a demonstration of power. It's the promise of life. What is Easter? Say it with me. Easter is a call to proclaim. He is risen and you will see him. Look at verse 7 and 8 of Matthew 28. Go quickly, the angel tells him, and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead, and behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Behold, I've told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear, great joy, and ran to report to his disciples. They don't waste any time with the greatest news of all time. The angel tells them to go in verse 7. Jesus will tell them to go in verse 10. And who do they go to? Listen. Who do they go to? They first and foremost go to the downtrodden, discouraged disciples of Jesus. Know the Easter message is first and foremost for Christians. Downtrodden, discouraged, shame-filled, sinful Christians who are not walking with God anymore. And some of you are here this morning. You have sin in your life and you're full of guilt and shame, and you're not really walking with God like you should be, the message of Easter is for you. You have a God who is alive. You have a God who loves you. And you have a God who will forgive you and is inviting you back into relationship with him. This message was for prodigals. This message was for those who failed God miserably, as all of us have done at one time in our lives from, an, from another. Now, I want you to understand, these are the disciples. Their worlds have crashed. They were the ones arguing which of us is going to be the greatest, and we're jockeying for position. Who's going to sit next to Jesus' throne? And, and, and they've seen the Lord tortured and crucified and die. Their dreams of grandeur are over, and they're living in fear, and they're living in doubt, and they're living in shame, and they're living in embarrassment because they've abandoned and denied the Lord. And again, that's where some of you are. You've abandoned God. You've walked away from him, and you're living in sin. And he's saying, would you come back to me? I'm alive. And I love you. This message is for us to take to Christians who we know are not walking with God anymore. And I want to encourage you to do that. Do it today. 
You text somebody, you sit down with somebody, you go see somebody, you pick up the phone and you call somebody. And you say, I've got good news for you. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. Your God still loves you. Your God still loves you. Come back to him. He says, tell him, tell him God is not dead. He is alive. And by the way, you're going to see him. And so are you. You are going to see the resurrected Lord in all of his splendor someday. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we now, we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Say it with me. Because we will see him just as he is. The day is coming when you will behold the second person of the Trinity in resurrected, glorified splendor. The day is coming. Revelation 1, 7. Read it with me. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Meet me in Galilee. Why Galilee? Well, that's where they first heard the gospel, the work of God in their lives. They began serving the Lord. You know what God was saying? I'm giving you a fresh start. You know what God was saying? I'm giving you a new beginning. And that's what the Lord wants to give you this morning. In his grace, he wants to forgive you. In his grace, he says, I love you. Listen carefully. The resurrection speaks of restoration. Say it with me. The resurrection speaks of restoration. Let God restore you to a relationship with him. You have failed him. Find forgiveness in him. You've deserted him. Come back to him. God wants to restore you in spite of all of your sin, in spite of your failure, in spite of your abandonment, in spite of your denial. God says, I love you and I will restore you. Come back. So they go. They go with the good news. They go quickly and they go running. What is Easter? A display of courage, a demonstration of power, the promise of life, and a call to proclaim. And then finally, say it with me, Easter is a time to worship. Behold him and believe in him. Look at verse 9 and 10. Behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus seeks them out just like Jesus is seeking you out this morning. He seeks these women out and and he greets them in in a friendliness and in a warmth. And, and, And why these women? Well, they were the first to the grave. They were the ones that were courageous. They were the ones mustering up that courage in spite of their fear and and confusion. And listen carefully. Courageous, dedicated followers will see things other Christians will miss. Courageous, dedicated followers of Jesus will be blessed in ways and experience things other Christians will miss. Live in courage for God. And, and, and by the way, it's also pretty good to get up early on a Sunday morning, just saying, just saying. Make it your habit to get to God's house every Sunday, not just on an Easter Sunday. They see Jesus, they touch Jesus, glorified, resurrected splendor, overwhelmed with emotions. They worship him, which is the only right response And because he is the one, Philippians 2 tells us, whom God highly exalted and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, what? 
every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen carefully. I want to encourage you to do something today and that's to get on your knees, literally speaking, before God. I I don't think we have really celebrated Easter until we have fallen on our knees. And we have taken hold of the feet, so to speak, of our Savior. And we have worshiped him and given thanks for him. I want to encourage you at some point today to get alone with God. Just go into a room by yourself and just fall on your knees and worship your Savior. Don't ask him for anything. Just worship him. Just proclaim his greatness and just thank him. And by the way, this Jesus is real flesh and bones. He's not some spirit. He's not a ghost. They took hold of his feet. To doubting Thomas, Jesus would tell him, reach here your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it in my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. To the disciples in Luke 24, they were startled and frightened when they thought they they were seeing just a spirit. And he would say, why are you troubled and doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. I am more than spirit. I am flesh and bones. He showed them his hands and his feet, and while they could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said, have you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it, took it, and ate it before them to prove this is a real body. It is a real resurrected body, not a spirit. And in verse 10, Jesus reiterates the message that the angel had given them. Do not be afraid, take word to my brethren. Now stop right there. Did you notice what Jesus called them? Take word to those traitors. Take word to those disappointments that I spent three years trying to get ready for this moment. Take word to these these people that abandoned me in my moment of greatest need. Is that what Jesus calls them? What does he call them? Take word to my brethren, my brothers. And once again, we see and hear the grace of God. He knows your failure. He will not call you a failure. He knows your sin. He knows your denial. He knows your abandonment. He knows how you've blown it. He knows these things, and he will not call you a failure. You know what he calls you? Brother, child, loved one. That's what God calls you. And he invites you back into a relationship with him. You know what the message of Easter is? God loves you right where you are. Right where you are, with all of your sin, he loves you. Come back to your risen Savior. What is Easter? Say it with me. Easter is a display of courage. Broken-hearted women of courage. Easter is a demonstration of power, supernatural earthquakes and angels. Easter is the promise of life. Because he lives, you will live. Easter is a call to proclaim he is risen and you will see him. And Easter is a time to worship. Behold him and believe in him. Let's pray together. 
And with heads bowed and eyes closed, you who are believers in Jesus, just talk to your Savior right now. Just worship him. Just thank him. And for some of you, you've been away from God, and today is the day of rededication. Recommit your life. Confess your sin to him and ask for his forgiveness. Do that now. Ask for him to restore your relationship to him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Some of you here today have never come to faith in Jesus. And today is a new beginning to ask the Lord to be your Savior. And you may say, Scott, that's me. I I desperately want God in my life. I need him. What do I do? In the quietness of this moment, I would ask you just to call out to God in faith. Just call out to God in your heart. Use words like these. Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for rising from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin, Lord. I repent. I I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. I place my faith in you to save me. My good works could never save me. It's all about you and what you did for me. Forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.